Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon, on location for today's show in Gordon's house. You might rec- uh, recognize the background. Gordon, thank you for having me once again. Studio is booked today. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, studio is booked. Our colleagues over at Flow Wrestling, this is not just, for those who don't know, it may be March Madness, but for wrestling, it's also the NCAA championships. So if you're mm-hmm. a wrestling fan, you're going crazy right now watching all the wrestling matches and they're taking over the studio, doing a bunch of watch parties. It's kind of cool though, seeing the way uh, wrestling gets to experience their, um, their NCAA championships. You know, you have the multiple weight classes, you have the tournament, and they break it down and it's like, it has like a March Madness vibe. Whereas in track, we just have prelim final, prelim final. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something cool about head-to-head matchups and then moving on to the next round. Whereas, imagine if, like, in order for us to decide the mild champion, we had eight one-on-one races, and then we had four one-on-one <laughs> races, and then a final. Like, hmm. you just head-to-head, and it gets narrowed down. It would be a little more exciting, don't you think? It would be kind of cool. Yeah, the only downside is you'd have to start it in January. And if you get eliminated in the first round, then your season is one race. Unless you want to have a consolation bracket and you just keep going and keep going. I don't think so. I mean, if you had 16 people, that's Mm -hmm. round of 16, round of 8, round of 4. That's four races. You could do four races in four days. Oh, you're saying you just start with – okay, you're saying – I thought – I didn't think you started just with 16 people. Okay, yeah, that makes it a little easier. Yeah, the four races in four days might be a hard sell. They're used to not racing that frequently. But yeah, yeah, that would be – that would be a different way to approach the sport. I think it would be more exciting because then there will be a lot more upsets. There would be more chaos. The the best runner wouldn't always win. Mm Mm-hmm. There'll be strategy of like, hey, you you had to go hard in your first round where another the sixteen one matchup it favors the one seed because you yeah. know you don't have to go as hard because you're racing the sixteen seed. It'd be a lot of it'd be good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cinderella. Speaking of March Badness, we got this email because remember we did our bracket last pod using a intricate track formula. We got an email from from James who submitted his bracket, I'm guessing to the Flow Track podcast group, with the track and field matchups using 2022 T-first data on day one and did not copy the Gordon and Kevin method. So first round, he used 100. Second round, 400. Third round, 800. Fourth round, pole vault. Fifth round, 1500. And the championship, steeple. He says, if neither team had a program or athlete who competed in that event, I went with the higher seed. No program, you lose. Sorry, Northwestern. Anyways, James says, my method got me a championship matchup of Princeton versus Arkansas with the steeple as the deciding event. Razorback Andrew Cabet edged Ed Trippus by 12 seconds. Now, you might say this is crazy, but if you're following the actual tournament, 15 seed Princeton yesterday... <laughs> Upset number two seed, Arizona. So maybe he's on to something. He, maybe he has the maybe. better track-centric bracket than us. Although Tennessee's still alive. Tennessee's still alive. Texas A&M, who we had making the final, 
off of their phenomenal track program. Got knocked down in the first round by Penn State. So we didn't oh, see that coming. I didn't think about that. But uh, looking at the current Flow Track Podcast um, group, over 120 people signed up. So that's awesome. We have a, f- a six way tie for first. We have mm-hmm. T Markula 1114, Owen Weaver, ESPN fan numbers. I like this guy uh, username. <laughs> Haven't started speed work. That's B Cooch. Good. We That's have good. Kay Fitzgerald and then another random ESPN fan numbers, blah, 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 blah. So I'm mm-hmm. currently in 87th place. So I didn't. And we should say the, the prize now that I'm in your house is you get anything from Gordon's house. So there's all these track and field photos behind. You can grab one of those. There's a sign that says Gordon Street. I don't know if you'd want that. There's a Fly Eagles Fly sign. Maybe we could take the TV off the wall. Oh, it's not no. even on the wall. We could just pull that. There's a couple of nice bar stools that are pretty solid. A toaster. I'm looking around to this? see if there's anything what if we serious dunk- value. What about this? We can give this out. <laughs> An autographed dunk photo. The Tyrus Max dunk never happened. <laughs> well, dunk's going to happen. I have a okay. surprise for you. End of the month. There's going to be another attempt. So, yeah, maybe I'll give out this. You just ruined the surprise we'll by out. telling me right then. All right, I'm just thinking of potential prizes because you got all these track – people can't see. There's even more photos up there. I'm just surrounded by a couple of them. Kevin, also, this is the site of basically and, multiple you're in a, podcasts. You're in 112th place. You're, you're in 112th place in the March Madness bracket. Well, guess who I had going to the championship? Arizona. I did the opposite method. <laughs> Of our emailers. So I had Arizona going all the way to the finals and they got knocked out by Princeton. So I'm not doing too well. We're going to get to uh, a couple of news items first. And then the back half of the show, we'll do a St. Patrick's day themed segment on who in track and field needs just a little bit of luck heading in to the outdoor season. But we'll start first with some news. First story I wanted to get to. Raven Saunders, who won the silver medal in the shot put at the Tokyo Olympics, suspended 18 months for whereabouts violations. This was announced on Wednesday. Um, Story just came through. Obviously, people probably are well-versed in what that means by now, but if you have three missed tests or three filing failures in a 12-month period, you can be suspended. The suspension for Saunders is going to be 18 months, which means she'd miss the world championships, but she would be back for the Olympics in Paris 2024. The whereabouts failures came on January 8th, May 26th, and August 15th, so all within about an eight-month uh, span. So another person out with uh, whereabouts failures. Yeah. We thought the whereabouts failures thing had its big run and then it was complete when, you know, we felt like it was two years ago when everyone was getting whereabouts failures. Um, but mm-hmm. it's still an issue. People are still missing three tests in the one year period. Um, Raven, though, she didn't uh, come up with an excuse. She was very forthcoming. She's like, yeah, I screwed up and I'll be back in 18 months. So guess it's a she approached it she approached uh responding to the to the um suspension in a very professional way in a very like yeah 
I missed three. Wasn't supposed to do that. I broke the rules, and now I'm paying the punishment. So there wasn't yeah. some. This... Uh, well, technically, I I was outside gardening, and I didn't hear the knock on the door, and that's why you know stuff. There wasn't some elaborate story. The tweet that she sent out was noteworthy in the clarity of it. You're, you're right. How it how she wrote this thing. I mean, like, as a veteran, I definitely should have done better and I take full responsibility for my actions. I didn't fail a test for any substance and was tested again after each of my missed tests. I've always been an advocate of clean sport. I'll be back to claim the throne February 15th, 2024. So she does, she does three things there, right? First thing says, takes responsibility for it. Second thing draws a line of demarcation between, you know, missed tests and positive tests. And then the third thing says, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'm going to serve my suspension and then I'll be back. That sort of response, even though whereabouts failures have become common, that sort of response is very rare, right? It's very rare. And I'm not saying that people don't have extenuating circumstances sometimes, and people obviously have the right to defend themselves, but you'd think with how common this sort of suspension is now, we would see athletes more and more take the approach that she did. And I, I, I just thought it, it stands out in this current era in in how clear it is right in how straight to the point it is of this is what happened this is what i'm gonna do about it and i'll be back yeah do you what about like do you think though having three whereabouts failures should give a suspicion to your performances or do you think all whereabouts failure suspensions are all basically procedural mishaps not dodging tests well we that's the problem you don't know and that's why you have to have the rule i mean i'm sure in the past some athletes are missing because they're dodging tests right we've seen when athletes test positive information comes out afterwards Right. And when, when the rare times we do get information, people do know that they can use the system. And that's why you need to have a uh, process and procedure like this in place. I don't think it's universal, though. I think there are people who just miss tests. Right. But the, but the problem is because of the history of the sport, because of the way doping works, we don't know. So you have to have something in place. But when you approach it like she did, you can see why it's 18 months as opposed to, to two years, or in the case that we've seen recently, right. With, with tampering and you try to change information, then it gets extended even longer. And then you end up missing more and more competitions. So I thought she handled it in the best way you possibly can. Um, I'm of the mindset of, yeah, you have to have a rule in place. There has to be this sort of whereabout system. Maybe there's some tweaks and changes you can make to it, but it needs to be there. So that way you can protect um, all the athletes who are doing it the right way and are clean. And yes, we've had a ton of whereabouts violations, but we have a ton of athletes in track and field. So there's a lot of athletes who, who are able to update their information, but I also understand that people make mistakes. People get caught up in it. Um, doesn't mean necessarily every single time that that person is doping. I'm assuming whoever, you know, gave the sentence similar to previous rulings, they'll put out the little caveat of like, yeah, hey, we don't think this person is doing anything wrong, but 
they broke the rule. There needs to be a punishment, right? The, the first Brianna McNeil case, when it got knocked down to one year, that that's what the, um, the authorities concluded, right? Hey, she was in this place and this time, this place and this time she missed three tests, but now she's got to, um, serve the punishment. So yeah, it's, it, there's just so much wiggle room and there's so many athletes and there's so much back and forth. You have to have a procedure in place and there has to be, um, consequences. Otherwise nobody would show up to any tests. Um, but for her, her, it's not a career ender, right? She can come back for the Olympics, uh, try to get another medal now. Yeah. And like they say, it's, it sucks that you miss a, not suck, but like, it's unfortunate that you miss a, a world championship, but yeah, not missing yeah. the Olympics is really good for athletes' careers because if Raven can get a medal, she would uh, like getting gold, silver, or bronze in Paris versus getting gold, silver, or bronze in Budapest is night yeah. and day in your marketability and mm-hmm. your extension of your career with sponsorships. Because as much as we love the world championships and world indoors and all this stuff. World championship gold medalist is not the same as Olympic gold medals. It's just, even Absolutely. though it's the exact same athletes, it's the exact same competition. It's the exact same talent. But for some reason you do it on a year that ends every four. We just think it's better. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, that's just, and that, that's the reality of it. And the the problem is a lot of times when you make a mistake, you compound it, you make another mistake, and now the punishment is a lot longer. And then, as you mentioned, you're missing the Olympic Games when it could, or you're missing three years and you could have only missed eighteen months or two years and you, you could have only missed one, as the case may be. Um, all right, anything else on that? We can move on to the next story. Kara uh, Goucher. A lot of people probably have already seen the news. Um, she went on morning shows and talked about um, her memoir that she wrote recently where she revealed uh, she was the one behind the allegations regarding Alberto Salazar that led to his lifetime ban from safe sport. Uh, She alleges she was sexually assaulted on two occasions um, during a massage given by Salazar. Um, Both of those happened um, earlier, not earlier on in her career, I guess, 2006 when she was in Italy. And then again in 2009, when she was in Portugal, um, she said that, uh, she felt a quote, huge wash of relief. Uh, while it has been scary to share such intimate details in my life, doing so has, uh, also taken away the power that these memories held for so many years to cause me distress and anxiety. Um, she said, I want everyone to know that your bad experiences do not define you. She of course left, uh, the organ project back in 2011. Um, she was one of the, you know, major people speaking out against the group, um, in that first sort of phase where the allegations were related to performance enhancing drugs. This is obviously a very different story. Uh, Salazar was, um, remember suspended and then, uh, by USADA back in 2019. And then now we have the safe sport allegations, which extend um, as, as a lifetime ban. Uh, Salazar has denied the allegations. We should mention that. Um, he released a statement 
in that Good Morning America interview. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more I can add to this story. Obviously, I, I know nothing about it. Like, this is Kara's story. Um, this is not something that I really have, like, a opinion on. I do think, my, I guess my only opinion is, I'm about to give an opinion. I just said I don't have an opinion. But it's more that when anybody or especially a notable figure can discuss something that is personal, a trauma that is personal, there is positive that comes out of that. And that positive that other people can hear, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, it's okay to recognize that that's not okay. And that sometimes you need a, a louder voice, a celebrity voice or influential voice to speak out because it allows people who just live in the middle of nowhere or aren't famous or just not even involved in, in sport, just involved in some other thing. And they can recognize, oh, this person says it's not okay. That kind of validates me for recognizing this is not okay. And also that like, you're not alone. And I think that's as much as there is trauma to the experience, there's also years later on the other side, a positive because then it can affect hopefully future situations from not occurring because Kara is able to get her voice out there. So um, yeah, it's nothing but just a frustrating and sad story, but I like to always try to find positive in it. And I think the positive is, you know, other people are now more aware and you, there's a, a chance for change to happen. And uh, yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a horrible situation. She's a very prominent voice, right? She was, you know, the, the main, you know, female marathoner for a number of years. Like she was, incredible on the track. And then after she retired, she's still prominent in the track and field community, right? She's a, she's a broadcaster, right? So you're right. Her, her speaking up and she didn't need to, right? She didn't need to do it publicly. She gave the information to save sport. The ban went into effect, um, but she chose to, to speak up. And I can't imagine how difficult that is. Um, obviously it's something that's, that's incredibly traumatic. Um, and, and, and she did speak up. Um, and you're right, you know, it's a horrible, horrible situation, um, here that, that she had to, to deal with. And these stories, unfortunately are way too common within track and field and sports and, and just life in, in general. So, um, no, no easy transition out of that story. Um, but we'll, we'll move forward. Um, to the next topic. Let's see. What do we got here? Let's talk about this weekend. Some, some events this weekend. NYC half. NYC half. So we get on the men's side, Cheptegei versus Chalimo. And when they first announced this, I said, Hey, let's not, let's not take this for granted. You have two of the best distance runners in the world racing against each other in the United States. So if you're in New York, you should go out and see this. You should just go Sunday morning, find out where the route goes, and watch and marvel 
at these two guys because they just raced in Australia. Yeah. And you probably weren't in Australia. If you live in New York, you probably didn't go to Australia for World Cross. But what these two guys are doing is noteworthy. Okay, it's a half marathon. You can quibble. It's not a world championship, not an Olympic. But you're getting to see two of the best right now. Two potential all-timers, right? When everything's written, we might say Cheptegei and Kiplino uh, belong in that elite, elite group of best of all time. Cheptegei, world record holder, gold medalist. Uh, Kiplino just won world cross. He's won world half. He could be a future world record holder and Olympic champion. So I'm just excited. I'm excited for the for the running world that this race is happening. Yeah, it should be good. The, I guess the only thing that we try to figure out is how to make it matter you know because they like is the person who gets second gonna have a smile on their face when they like oh you know they had a good run you want there to be like god damn it i didn't want to lose that one you know you want there to be stakes now there's stakes and there's prize money but you need a little bit of stakes so this is what i'm gonna do kevin we're going to put some stakes on this race. Mm. I'm projecting pro- projecting that the loser between these two athletes will not win a medal <laughs> at the Olympics. Okay. Okay. You're adding stakes. Do they know about this? Stakes. Or is this just a Gordon thing? No, this is – I'm putting it out in the universe. Okay. So you're saying this is key. This is important. This is a tone setter for the outdoor season is what you're saying. Yeah, it's a tone setter. It's uh, like – it matters. Like you chose Mm. to – this is where it all – here's the thing though. You lose, you're not winning a medal. But if you win, you're getting a medal. So Mm -hmm. there's also value to winning. It's not just a, it's not, it's not a lose-lose situation. There's a, it's a win-lose situation, which is what you want in sport. Yeah. You want a win-lose situation. You win the New York City half on March 19th in 2023, you're going to become yeah. an Olympic medalist. If you lose the NYC half on March 19th, 2023, you're not going to be an Olympic medalist. Good. Those are the rules. I like it. I don't make them. I just regurgitate them. Follow them. So good luck. Good luck, boys. <laughs> Lots on the line. There's Olympic medals okay. on the line. Fair. Fair. Would we be excited if right now we had a matchup in the 400 or the let's say the 300 hurdles? If we had a 300 hurdles matchup right now between Warholm and Rye Benjamin, would we be excited? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's somewhat similar. Off distance. I guess. Two of the best. Maybe there's just like that factor of like in sprint events when people beat each other, it like builds like this like I'm better than you kind of resume. Like every time a sprinter mm-hmm. gets a win over another sprinter, it's like a very like, yeah, like I am a better runner than you. But when a, a distance runner yeah. beats another distance runner – you don't get that. You just get the like, oh, it, today was my day. You yeah. get the like, oh, yeah. At the end of the day, win or lose, all that matters is the final race. Because there are so many great runners, distance runners, who lose races all the time. But a lot of great mm-hmm. sprinters don't lose races. And I think that's why it's like 
because distance runners are always about conserving the energy throughout the season to pop the fastest one at the end. Where sprinters, mm-hmm. you know, you don't conserve, you don't sit and kick a hundred, you just run it, right? So yeah, that's why that I sense. think whenever we see a big distance matchup, you're kind of like, eh. You know both of them realize win or lose, they're going to be the same guy tomorrow. But in a sprint matchup, win or lose matters. Like it matters when Curly loses or when Lyles loses or who else lose because you're like, oh, dang, are they off the top of the throne now? You know, so. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, uh, Helen O'Beary should, should win the women's race. Um, American side of things, Molly Huddle will be there. It's exciting to see her uh, on the roads. She ran this – I think this was her very first half marathon. Um, and then on the men's side, you got Galen Rupp. And Nick Sicardi of NBC Olympics uh, chatted with Rupp. Some interesting quotes in this story uh, from Rupp. But basically, he talks about his injury history. He called his uh, half marathon last year in New York – a quote, a little bit of a disaster. Um, and he says he's not expecting to be in top shape, um, but he said he's hoping to be competitive here. Uh, it says he doesn't have any plans for a spring marathon, but he didn't rule out a late entry. Um, still, basically the takeaway was this, like long-term he's optimistic, but the expectation for Sunday is, you know, don't expect him to be up there with Chepta guy. Kip Limo or Edward Cesarek or any of these guys. Uh, but long-term he thinks he can get it back. That part isn't that surprising, but I, I just thought it was interesting. The expectation setting he was doing in this article. So I didn't read the article. I'm getting the information from the article via this flow track <laughs> podcast. So I appreciate you helping me out. Um, well, thank Nick. Don't thank me. Nick did the work. I'm just well, re- repeating. Yeah, but you I'm translated Nick for me. You translate it. You aggregated Nick. And then I'm aggregating you. Um, Yeah, it's like a telephone. You talk about long-term. Was there any mention in the article about like, I mean, Rupp is what, 36 now? Is he Mm -hmm. still trying to like, I got to make the 2024 team and that's like his last hurrah? Yeah, so, but he's not planning on anything in the spring. They even discuss running on the track some and running the 10,000 at, at USA's. But then it says he does expect to do a fall marathon to get ready for the trials. Also, here's the, here's the good stat. He can become the first man or woman uh, to win. Oh no, wait, hold on. Yeah. So if he'll become the first man or woman to win three Olympic trials, um, but also, I mean, this would be Olympic team number five and only one other U S man has done that. Wow. Five? Who's the other U.S. man? I mean, would it be – isn't it Abdi? Is it Abdi? Or is it Legat? It's one of the two. I guess – can you not count Kenyan teams for Legat? Well, um, it says U.S., so okay, so yeah. Legat was yeah. – yeah. Oh, wait. 12, 16. 12. Yeah. But Abdi – Abdi had a break in the middle, and he just kept making teams. Abdi's probably going to make yeah. – his number's going to go up to six because Abdi's yeah. going to make the – marathon team somehow in 2020 it's like when you're a kid and it's like when you're a little brother and you think like one day i'm gonna be older and then you realize wait he gets older as i get older i'll pass him i need him to die to pass him so yeah 
yeah. Unless there's a crazy tragedy, I think Galen Rupp's always going to be one Olympics behind Abdi. Well, but if you're talking about the Olympic team for the marathon, I mean, we were both really high on Connor Mance as a a, a one, two, or three finisher, right? Yeah. But Rupp has a path to make another Olympic team. He would He would be a favorite right now if you had to list who can make the men's Olympic yeah. team, even with the injuries. And I think for him, it's just getting to the line healthy. So I understand if he doesn't want to run a ton of races. I understand if he wants to sit out the spring until he fully heals because he doesn't need to be anywhere near where he was in Atlanta to make the team. Cause that was a dominant performance. He can, there's another level he can go lower. Like he can drop another level and still be able to fight out a top three finish. Winning might be tough. Winning could be a challenge, especially give Mance another year and a half to get ready to get seasoned at the distance. But Rupp right now is still, still a favorite to make the team. That hasn't changed. Yeah, for sure. I'm not, so should I say now, Whatever he runs, the New York City half on March 19th, 2023. It's going to translate. Double it, and that's his time. Double it. Yeah, double it. That's his time. Uh, So, yeah, exciting to see it. If you are going to watch it in New York City, you got to wake up early. So this is St. Paddy's Mm -hmm. Day weekend. So I suggest you do all of your St. Paddy's Day celebrating tonight and today so you can sleep in Saturday morning. So then you can have a rest day on Saturday to wake up early on Sunday. I mean, listen. So it's time your Friday. celebrations you're, accordingly. You're already getting St. Patrick's Day on a Friday. What more could you want? If you're extending that into Saturday, that's just that's just a regular weekend for you at that point. You you can't claim that St. Patrick's Day related. I don't know. I'll be drinking green beer tomorrow as well. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we'll be left over for you. All right, speaking of St. Patrick's Day, we wanted to do a little St. Patrick's Day segment. Who needs some luck this year, Gordon? Who needs some luck? And I'm not talking about the rest of the men in the Boston Marathon field going against Elliot Kipchoge. They need a miracle. I'm not talking about miracles. I mean, I'm talking about who needs some luck this year on the outdoor circuits. Am I going first? Yeah. Yeah, what's your first – who gets your first so four-leaf I have, clover? I, two women get my first four-leaf clover. Two women. Okay. They have women to split number it? One Does it become a two-leaf clover? Is, yeah, they got to split the clover. Women number one is whoever the second fastest 400-meter hurdler is in the world. It's probably Femke Bull. However, Britton Wilson's kind of making an argument for it, but I think it's Femke. Mm-hmm. So Femke gets half of the clover, and then the other clover goes to whoever the fastest 400 meter runner is in the world. Not sure who that is. Could be. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bunch to choose from. Maybe it's Burton Wilson. I don't know. But whoever it Paulino. is, it's a, can, whoever imagine who that fastest 400 meter runner woman is, because you could say it's a bunch of different women. They need to be the most. They need the most luck because their luck depends on what Sydney decides to do. They need the mm-hmm. luck of Sydney choosing not to do their event. Because if Sydney does the mm-hmm. 400 hurdles, Femke's out of luck, 400's in luck. 
If she decides to do the 400, Femke's got the luck, and the 400-meter yep. runners do not have the luck. So the second-best 400-meter hurdler and the best 400-meter runner need all the luck in 2023. I agree with that, 100%. I guess Bowl could cover herself and Wilson. They could try to do both. They Bowl doesn't themselves. have to worry about – well, Bowl doesn't need to worry about qualifying. Wilson would need to worry about qualifying in both, which would be hard be a little taxing for her. I think she could do it depending on the schedule, but I think bowl could cover her bases and then scratch out. If something changes the day that announcement, comes, like whenever we figure that out, if things continue the way they're going to continue, if, if all these women that are involved in this 400 formier hurdle cycle, the day we figure out clarity on what Sydney runs, that's an emergency podcast day. We need to stop whatever we're doing. We need to find our way to a microphone because that has huge repercussions, not just for this season, but for 2024 legacy implications as well. I'm calling it now. That's, that's the rare, like pre-planned emergency pod. I want to see Sebco show up to the top woman in the other event with like a giant check, yeah. like Publisher's Clearinghouse <laughs> with like balloons and yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, with yeah. Sydney and be like, congrats, Sydney is not racing you. You have won yeah. 2023 because you don't have to race Sydney. I feel like that'd be a fun way to like announce. She does like a whole, like you won the lottery type thing. Yeah. I just, my thought process was when they were talking about going into the 400 and then future doubles and all that stuff. I just think 400 this year and then the double in Paris. That's that's why, where my mind is going right now, which of course then would leave the 400 hurdles more open for Bull, more open for Wilson, more open for Muhammad. I mean, everybody moves up a spot at that point and the gold medal becomes open. But this is so interesting because you have so many women who are good at both events. And then you have someone like Paulino sitting there in the open quarter. She ran sub 49 last year. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Her medal odds are impacted by this as well. You have women on the U S team who could get another spot in the 400 or, or one less spot. I should say if Sydney decides to do it. So this is, this is as far reaching as it gets in terms of one person's decision. Cause usually you're not talking about, all these other people in play it's, Oh, they're going to run the one and the two. Oh, okay. Well then they're also a metal favorite. It's not, Oh man, then this other person <laughs> might zig back to the other event because that person is in this event. And I think that's just, that's what makes it so much fun. So I agree with you. I agree with you. This is a, this is a good um, event that needs some luck. I'll go with um, – All right, your turn. I'll stay with the foreign hurdles. I'll go with stay, stay with the foreign hurdles. Allison Dos Santos. This is pretty easy. Pretty straightforward. Injury to his knee, meniscus. We need some updates on the surgery. We hope it's going well because we all want to see the big three there competing. So I hope the recovery goes quick and smooth because we want to see this not just in Budapest. But we want to see it in Paris and so on and so forth for as many years as we can get. Um, so, yeah, I got Dos Santos. 
I'm going to go into the college world. And I'm going to say, you know who needs a little bit of luck this outdoor season? Mm. Drew Bosley. He has now had three straight top three finishes at NCAAs. NCAA Cross, Indoor 5K, Outdoor 3, I mean, Indoor 5K, Indoor 3K. He got third, third, then second. So he's, he's moving up towards first. But I think he's going to mm. need a little bit of luck outdoors because the 5K, you know, it's going to – be unique you don't know who's actually going to run it it's going to become everyone's focused on it it's going to be outdoors the elements will he be able to pull off his a win or will his career be like a chris derrick type of career or joe klecker type career where you're always in it but you're always just one away you know you're always that one Mm -hmm. one slot away so drew bosley's gonna need a little bit of luck to see if he can get his first individual title I'm thinking, though, if he doesn't get the luck this year, he uh, might not need the luck next year because in 2024 he should be the favorite, depending on, I guess, if everyone returns or not. But, yeah, Drew Bosley needs a little bit of luck. I mean, all, all runners need luck, though, right? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. But, no, but There's luck involved there. I'm not trying to take away his <laughs> of skills. Course. He just needs a little luck. But you could you could say that he was unlucky in that he was in the mix for three championships and came away with a second, a second and a third. You could say that he had some like odds are he's going to win one of those. Yes. He's good yeah. enough to win at least at least one of those. Okay, I went with the men's fifteen hundred meter field, and we've talked about how there's a lot of countries who have a medal candidate. We talked about how interesting that field's going to be. But you read these quotes from Jakob Ingebrigtsen coming out of the indoor season, and I would be scared of him if I was another 1,500-meter runner in the world. So I think the rest of the world, other than Jakob Ingebrigtsen, needs a little bit of luck. Let me read some quotes to you from Jakob. I am not happy with my indoor season. Not at all. That's the first one. Mind you, this is an indoor season where he didn't lose. He ran pretty quickly then, considering he was sick, and then he goes to Euros and doubles up and beats a guy who had a hot hand in Neil Gorley. It was a quality win over Gorley, and then he looked really good in the 3K as well too. Another quote from Jakob, which would make me very scared. Quote, my main goal is to become the best runner that ever existed. He could have said the best runner to ever step on the track. He could have said the best miler. No, Gordon, he chose the most fierce language possible ever existed. Existed. I think that puts it over the top. Uh, Jakob is an elite trash talker in addition to his other skills. He has an elite way with words and the fact that he put ever existed on the end of it just shows how good he is at talking trash. It's, it's remarkable. We need to not let his running accomplishments distract us from the fact of how good he is at this. I think the next thing, though, he needs to one-up it. He needs to one-up his trash talk. He says he wants to be the best runner that ever existed. He needs to change that. I want to be the best runner that will ever exist. <laughs> so not only talk trash about the everyone yeah, yeah. in the past, be better than them in the past. But I'm going to be better than everyone in the future. Like, hey, some person who's going to be born in 2040, 
I'm going to be better than you. You know, just being able to be like, yeah, yeah. forever, just past, present, just, and future. Just He's stop competing for, against the future. Just stop running the 1500. Just the men should stop with the event after me. It will not exist after I retire. They're going to retire the I'm event. Put my spikes down on the track and walk off. Yeah, yeah. Just make it a 3K yeah. at that point. And then 3K. That's it. Yeah. What the, they'll still they'll still have the 1500 at every World Champs and 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 Olympics, but instead of hosting a race, they just do a whatever his world record time is, like moment of silence. Yeah. And everyone just sits there and, and just listens to the call of his world record, and they never run it again. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, he, he is, he is an impressive trash talker. And I think he generally believes it, which is why it comes across as so natural. He just says these things. Remember he said, it's not my fault. Like the red, they're not better than me. Like that's not, they're just not as good as me. Uh, he had the hot weather as happy weather quote off the cuff. Like he had that ready to roll in Eugene. I mean, he should, I don't know if politics is in his future or just improv. I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy is impressive. And I think the way he's able to pull it off is that it just, it comes so naturally to him, right? Like he, he actually believes these things. And I know people want to say, oh, he's arrogant, but you also want track at, you want athletes in general to say how they feel. So now you have a guy saying honestly how he feels. You, you can't, you can't critique that. You try to beat him. And the great thing is when he gets beat, he just want, he doesn't shy away from it. He just one-ups it. He just goes – like he'll talk trash about himself. Doha, 2019, quote, I'm the biggest loser, end quote. <laughs> no matter what happens, he is not shying away. He's not backing down. He's always got something. He's, he's incredible at this. Another person or people that are going to need some luck in 2023, anyone who runs – Male, any male sprinter who runs the 100 meters or 200 meters and is not a U.S. citizen. Because let me tell you, it is going to be really hard for a non-American to medal in 2023 in the 100 or the 200 on the men's side. Now, obviously, there are a very, there are many great non-American sprinters out there. Probably, and it continues to grow. We see new people come onto the map. Saw Terrence Jones just have a good indoor season. Like there's new people coming in and out, right? But let me tell you, it's going to take a little bit of luck to break out the top three U.S. guys on the men in the 100 and the 200. So good luck to y'all, non-America. You're going to need it in the men's sprints. Yeah. We talk an awful lot when we find out, oh, this person's running the one now. Like most recently with Norman. Oh, how many times are they going to race? Who's going to be the top three? Right? Which four men are, we, are is the United States going to send to Budapest? All that's important. All that's fun to discuss. But if you're just looking at it from the perspective of can the U.S. men pull off the sweep in the one and two again, here's why it's important. It just gives them insurance. If any one of those top-level superstars – is hurt or has a bad month, they're going to get replaced. Someone's going to beat them at the U S championships. If they have an issue post U S championships and they have to pull out, they're going to get replaced by someone with the ability to medal. That's the reality. That's not the case in every event. Now 
It's not the case in most events that the, the bench is that deep. And it's not the case previously in the 100 in the United States. A couple scratches, and then you have a guy not even making the 100-meter final. But the bench is so much deeper now in both the one and the two that there's going to be multiple people left off the team that could medal and at least make the final. So I think that's a key part to it because injuries um, and other stuff coming up oftentimes impacts uh, a country's ability to sweep. And for the U.S., they're, they're, they're foolproof now, assuming everything goes as we expected. Now, I also can say, too, that there also needs to be a little bit of luck given out to all of the, the fastest 200-meter women and 100-meter women who were not born in Jamaica. Because similar to how the mm-hmm. U.S. men are going to dominate the one and the two, the Jamaican women are going to dominate the one and the two. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. their depth is as good as the men's depth. There's a little bit of a drop-off after three, in my opinion. But their top three is really good. You know, they, Well, their top three is like the better Miami than the Heat. U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The top yeah, three is better than the U.S. Miami top three. Miami Heat but... probably could have won the finals with just three people on the court, right? That's how good it is. So, <laughs> uh, except, uh, unless they're playing the Spurs, which we know. Uh, but yeah, Thank Jamaica's you. women, Sh- Sh- Sharika, <laughs> uh, Elaine, and Shelly Ann, they're yeah. just unreal. And it's going to take a little bit of luck to break up the top three. Yes. I think more I luck is one. probably needed in the one than the two. But I think the two might be a little bit easier to break up. But that one, it's going to be hard. I agree. So you have, you know, overall, you got Julian Alfred, we just saw. You got Aliyah Hobbs, who ran 694. Dean Asher Smith, you have Cam Bungie, and then you go to the two, you got people like Gabby Thomas, you have um, Abby Steiner, uh, you have Tamara Clark, there's an Asher Smith again, uh, Toulouse in the mix. There's, there's people, yeah, there's people who can do it. There's definitely people who can do it, especially in that 200. Uh, but the 100, that group is so well proven at this point. <laughs> A bad race for a lot of those women is going to be getting silver or bronze. And they all have the capability to get gold. That's what makes them so tough. All right. I got one more. Come on, man. City of Philadelphia needs a little bit of luck. I know this has nothing (laughs) to do with track. But, you know, there's been some great track-type performances by Philadelphians. Recap. The Philadelphia Union lose the finals in soccer, mm-hmm. MLS. The Phillies lose the World Series. The Eagles lose the Super Bowl. And the Sixers, they need the luck because they're going to be in it <laughs> in the playoffs, and I'm just hoping they get it. But there has been some signs of that luck coming, and I think it's coming from athletic feats kind of tangentially and actually in the track and field world, starting with Mac McClung who won the slam dunk contest, which is jumping. <laughs> he was really good at jumping, yeah, yeah. high jump. Yeah, That's yeah, related to track. Yeah. So there's a little bit of like, yeah. hey, Sixers, we win the high jump. That's good. I, we win the high jump in basketball world, which is a slam dunk contest. Then you have mm-hmm. Kyle Garland go out there, and he gets second in the all-time in the world history 
wins the NCAA heptathlon indoors. He's a Philly yep. guy. That's another sign that maybe this luck is coming. We saw a high jump in the slam dunk. We saw a heptathlete in Kyle Garland. All this good juju yep. is going to come together, and the Sixers are going to win the NBA Finals. Yeah. It's coming together. No, hopefully, hopefully you have a chance for a follow-up question to Kyle Garland about Embiid if all that does come together. Well, the Sixers will be in the NBA Finals when I interview Kyle Garland in Austin, Texas during NCAAs, So, <laughs> Trust in the process. All right. Let's uh, – we got a couple more stories we want to talk about. Um, and if there's any comments in the chat, leave them in there right now. Check in on those. Um, Chloe Abbott's on The Voice, which is awesome. Former runner-up in the 400 at NCAAs. She's also on a runner-up 4x4 team when she was in Purdue. Also competed at Kentucky. Very talented uh, singer, actress. She does it all. We've had a chance to interview Chloe a bunch throughout the years. Uh, I'm glad she's getting this shot because she is so talented. I remember after that NCAA race where she got second, she sang in the mix zone and it was really good. Um, and she did it right after a race, just high degree of difficulty, uh, there filmed the workout with her before just, just awesome to be around. So she's on team chance, the rapper. I didn't watch it enough, Gordon, to, you know, know which team is the best team. And if she would want to be on that team versus some of the other teams, I got to admit my voice knowledge is very low. That may or may not be the only clip I've ever seen of the show was her singing, but I think she represented track and field very well. So good luck to her. Caleb, why don't we show the clip? We can't, we can't show the audio, but why don't we show the video clip of her singing? Can't play the audio, but she did a pretty good job. She got selected by chance. It's kind of mm -hmm. cool seeing a track and field athlete on the NBC stage. You got to think – there's probably some other secretly talented singers in track and field, right? Like, mm -hmm. you got to think that. I mean, Justin Knight can dunk a basketball. No one saw that coming from a distance guy. Do you think there's <laughs> wait, other wait, people wait. Has that been proven? out there? Has that, I, know he's, I know he said he can dunk a basketball. Have we ever seen that? Oh, uh, he can dunk. If oh, I'm going right. to eventually dunk, then Justin Knight. <laughs> Let's just be honest. That's the rule. Uh, that's the rule. That's the rule. Yeah. Once I dunk, it's it's becoming it, it's not a feat anymore. Then it, everyone is a dunker. If I can do yeah. it, yeah. But she like it, she sings, man. This has been something she's done like her whole life, right? She was singing yeah, the national sure. anthems in college. Like this is this is a serious venture for her. It's not just a little thing she does on the side to uh, to distract from from track and field. Uh, yeah. yeah I'm just, so well, basically, what I'm trying to get to. There's probably some other great, talented athletes out there who have a talent in something else that's kind of just being put to the side while they pursue their athletic career. And I would love to yep. know what these other talents are. You know, yeah. Like no, for Chloe Abbott, it's a singer. Yeah. Does Fred Curley know, do something that we don't know? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Can uh, Carson Warholm do something we don't know? I don't know. I want to find he out. He likes Legos. I remember we interviewed him. He likes Legos. So maybe he's a, a craftsman. Mm -hmm. Build a crazy thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, that's my cause. Once 
Chloe takes us to the next level of showing what track athletes are dual talent people. I want to see the yeah. other dual talents out there. So in the mix zone at USA's or whatever, I'd be like, hey, I know you're good at running <laughs> talent. What's your talent? or jumping or throwing, but what else are you good at? And then, yeah, you know, find out. This weekend, we got some outdoor track coming up, live on flow track, the uh, Cardinal Classic. Cardinal Classic, so the first in a series of meets at Stanford, also be the Stanford Invite coming up, and then, of course, Peyton Jordan as well. So you can check that out. That's on Saturday, live on flow track. Gordon, are you ready to go to the chat? Yeah, and also the Barcelona Marathon, which is live at 2.15 a.m., on uh, Sunday. Another one. So if you if, if you're one. still drinking all the Irish beers, stay up till two fifteen a.m. and you can watch the uh, Barcelona Marathon. Yeah, I know you're. Uh, all in the game says Jasmine Sawyer's also sings and plays the guitar. And has done the British equivalent of one of those talent shows. Yeah, there's a there's a million British shows too. So it's like, and track being bigger over there makes sense. Tampa Glass about the sub pod again next week. Next week when Colts back sub pod. The outdoor sub pods are going to be next level. Just get ready for those. Um, a lot of people weighing in on Joel Embiid. Uh, Thomas says it's that time of year, Embiid getting injured. Adrian says Embiid, right foot getting sore right now. Tampa Eagle says JoJo is always hurt when it matters. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Gordon. <laughs> Not a lot of good vibes right. from the chat. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Joel Embiid hasn't, he hasn't got he hurt in a while. 29. He's still young. He, he just got, turned 29. But, but the thing with the NBA is just the next major injury is always right around the corner from somebody. You know there's going to be one of the stars who gets hurt between now and the end of the season, and then you know there's going to be another one who gets hurt in the first round. It's just like clockwork. It's going to happen. True, true, true. And you just hope it's not your team. Um, Shanna asks about Jacobs and then Asher Smith. Well, we brought up Asher Smith. Jacobs, I think Gordon and I are in agreement. We wouldn't be surprised if he made the final, obviously. But right now, he's not uh, a favorite I'm not, to medal. I'm not in agreement with that. I will be surprised if he makes the final. Okay, I'm not going to – okay, then I diverge from Gordon. I'm not going to be surprised if he makes the final. But I don't think he's a favorite to medal at this point. If you ranked all the top guys in the world, he would be well outside the medals, even if you take into account only four – from the U.S., right? You got to put Seville in there. You have to put Akeem Blake. You're going to put Omanyala in there as well. And I think some of these NCAA stars are going to pop up as well, these international athletes um, who have been competing in the NCAA. I think at least one of them is going to find their way into the World Championship final. I think Jacobs has time to get it together. I've talked about maybe he reverses his seasons and he stays healthy outdoors because he's a little bit banged up indoors and last year was the opposite but it's it's not a slight it's just looking at the numbers looking at what everybody else is running and then comparing it to what what he's been running obviously great in tokyo then he was great in the indoor season last year but we've now had an outdoor season where he wasn't able to run at worlds came back and won euros which is great but not the same and then an indoor season where he was finishing runner-up in the Italian championships and then finish running up runner up at the Euro champs and then being visibly injured afterwards. 
We'll just have to wait and find out. Uh, let's see. What else do we have in the chat? That's a good, good, good tag on that one. We'll just have to wait and find out. <laughs> good stuff. I mean, you just went on a little soliloquy, and I was like, all right. Nothing Did you agree? Did you disagree? I don't need to always. That's fine. Okay. Like counter or um, add to whatever you say. Sometimes I can just be like, noted. Rufus, athletes needing a lot of bad luck to lose in 2023. That's an interesting way to think of it. El Bacali, Kipyegon, Tui, Kipchoge, Sid, and Mondo. Good list. Good list. Uh, Is anyone Ricky else that's says, not on that list that needs bad luck? Basically, you're just saying who are the biggest locks to win things. Isn't it and wild that, that Tui got thrown in the names of all those other people? <laughs> Well, yeah, one is you're talking about the world championships and the other one talking about NCAAs, but NCAAs. Yeah. Kipchoge, huge favorite. Whatever event Sydney does, huge favorite. Mondo, El Bacali, Kipchoge. I think the most likely to lose would be El Bacali of that of that group. Um I don't know. I don't I disagree with that. I think Kipiegon is the most likely to lose. John, stop. You never learn. You never learn. Stop doubting Faith Kipyegon. She's going to be fine. Dominate I don't know, again. man. Again. Uh, Ricky says, some potential beef between the world champs, legends, the Bigfoot mascot with the Trailblazers, Douglas first Sasquatch. Do they have it? Do they settle it on the track or on the basketball court? Uh, basketball court. Okay. One on Fair. one. That's what everyone wants to see. I didn't know this. I didn't hold on. The Trailblazers, Douglas first. What? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't, I don't know, know if it's Northwestern. I don't know if it's real. Uh, we need to get sports. a link in here. I should know this. Yeah. Uh, all in the game monologue, not soliloquy. Gordon, why do people always get the two mixed up? That I should have called him on that former English teacher. I should have explained the difference. What's a soliloquy? If you weren't here, it would be a soliloquy. Like you're doing it solo. Monologue, there's other characters present. I'm not here. You're by yourself in that downstairs. <laughs> you guys want to see Gordon's fridge? It's pretty pretty wild. I think we're at that point in the show. Just kidding. Do you want to show up? Take the camp, take the stand up. No, and it's fine. Show my fridge. Nah, there's nothing in it. It would just really be empty. <laughs> a lot of people asking about Brazier. That's a it's a bummer. Uh hope he gets healthy. I know John. John over at Let's Run uh, wrote an article about it. It just, it just, uh, you know, you're just so dominant in 2019. And then 2020, the Olympics are that year. You know, maybe he's fully healthy. He ran that 335, 1500. We were talking about two things with Brazier after 2019. People were talking world record. And then people were talking after he ran the 335, could he win that one as well too? And since then, it's all just been about can he get back to full health? And he's he's appeared at two really big meets since then, uh, USA or Olympic trials in 2021, and then world champs in 2022. And neither of them were healthy. But the fact that he appeared, I think, made us optimistic that he, he's right around the corner and he can pull it off. So I'd love to see vintage Brazier because he earned he deserved a couple more years of that. Maybe not as dominant, but he was so good in Doha. And the 800 needs it too. Yeah. 800 needs some luck and Donovan Brazier. But if you give the luck to Brazier, Brazier will bring the 800 meter back. He has the ability to do that. If Brazier 
finds a way to come out of all these injuries and surgeries back to 2019 form, the rest of the field is going to rise to his standard. But, you know, you can legitimately connect a, like, tangible, like, chart. What, what I'm, no, that's not the word. A correlation <laughs> to Brazier's <Chart>. injury. <laughs> a correlation to, between Brazier's injury and the, the fall of quality 800-meter runs. It's mm-hmm. so connected. And yeah. we don't realize it, but that's probably why the 800 was so great because you had the Rudisha era where everyone was chasing an all-time great in Rudisha who's running 140s and 141s. Then you have, there was a little bit of a few other, like Amos was doing a couple things in between uh, Brazier and and, um, Rudisha. But once Brazier took over, then it was like, all right, this new young guy that everyone's going to be chasing. But then, you know, like I honestly think Emmanuel Courier could go out there and be running 141s. But he doesn't do it because he doesn't need to do it. So he goes out there and wins in one forty three highs, and it's like, mm-hmm. then we get well. You're the number one eight hundred. I like one. to say that the I one. saw you're the number one career fan, career, career before anyone else, and then I got off of it. He's won back to back global titles, and both times I didn't pick him, and it's I yeah. feel so stupid for not doing it. Uh, all right, one more here. Khalil says to Gordon, will Gordon do that team video highlight thing this season, like for Houston or uh, North Carolina A&T in the past? Yeah, Gordon, we all want to know. Like a... Like a... Film. Are you going to do a film? Film? Or a feature? That's not in the cards right now. I would love to. But you and I, Kevin, have been discussing um, future track films. Coming down the road, we've been internally talking. Mm-hmm. We think a lot of these films are probably going to be more likely to come out end of 2023, beginning of 2024. For those who don't know, we are not just – our films department doesn't just cover track. They cover all the other sports at Flow Sports, and there's been an influx of other sports – getting the films treatment, which is why track hasn't done a few films in the past year or two, but looks like we should be getting resources again and being able to give more than just race footage and workouts and now start getting back into the film world. So there have been internal discussions begun about potential films. So stay tuned. Yeah. And if there's, and if there's stuff you want to see, you know, our email address is there. So send it to yes. the Podcast. Give us ideas. If there's a, and, and not just, oh, you should do a thing on Houston. Like we, we know that stuff. If there's stuff out there that hasn't been covered or an interesting story bubbling up, send it to us, uh, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Also, while you're emailing, we also want to know best kicks of all time. Send that our way. You might hear us talk more about this in the coming weeks or months. So send us best kicks. It could be from a pro meet like Olympics. It could be from a national level meet, high school meet, all comers meet. It doesn't matter. If there's an awesome kick that you've seen, uh, send it our way. We want to see it. Like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. (laughs)
And uh, we'll see you guys Monday. Be safe out there celebrating St. Patty's Day. Wake up early, watch New York City uh, Half Marathon. And uh, yeah, see you Monday. That's it. Anything else? I don't know.